Well, if you will, take your Bible, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, last week, we went through the first six verses, and if you'll remember what that was about, is Paul was talking to these young believers, a brand new church, and now he is gone, and as you remember, there are false teachers everywhere. They're coming in, they're spreading lies. So there might be a false teacher come in and they try to sell their goods. And after that person leaves, another comes in and that one would defame the one that was before and say, you can't believe what they had to say. And they weren't really true. They weren't honest with you. You can't believe them. So believe what I have to say. And so here Paul is writing back to these, this young church and he's just reminding them, hey, I was not like that. You knew you got to see all that uh, we did with you. And so our calling was from God and we keep doing what we're called to because of God's calling in our life. Now these passages we'll look at for just a few moments. Paul is reminding them of his love for them. Because if they came in, a false teacher comes in, and he's spreading false uh, teaching, then really, he didn't really care for them. They were just for there for their own needs, uh, their own wants and desires, anything that would bring them pleasure, and then leave those people and go somewhere else and do that. And so Paul's reminding them of his intense love for them. In fact, I use that word intense on purpose because if you will, look, start at verse 7. There, chapter 2, verse 7 and as he begins to describe his love for them, he says in verse 7, But we were gentle among you. So you know this, he's saying to them. We're not like all those who came before and whatever they did, but we were gentle. In fact, here's what it was like for us. There's, here's how gentle we were. We were like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous, which is just interesting. It's the only time ever used in the Bible. Paul is inspired by the Spirit of God, but he is coming up with like trying to describe his love for them. And so he's just taking words and he's using the best he can to describe how can I say we love you so much. So we affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Now, here's what's interesting about this. Not only was he going to share the greatest news in the world, but he was going to share their lives. They shared their lives with them. But here's what I want you to see. When it says our own lives, it literally means we gave up our souls to you. In other words, we held nothing back. Everything about us we shared with you. We didn't hold anything back. And see, that's what a mother does, right? So whenever you read this about we were like a nursing mother with her children, that's what a mother does, right? With her children, gives up her own soul to her child, holds nothing back. And so Paul's saying to them, listen, we held nothing back. Now hear me. Scripture is meant not only to instruct us, but for you and I to take it and apply it. And so why is this written? Just so that you and I would know how much Paul loved the Thessalonians. But that, that love that Paul had 
generated, obviously, by the Spirit of God in his life, that is to be in you and I's life as well. And you and I are to love one another like this. We are to give of our lives. We are to what? Give up our souls to one another. And so for just a little bit, and I promise that, so that hopefully will be encouraging to you, right? So for a little bit, I just want to talk about how did Paul actually give up his soul to these people, and how are you and I to do that for one another? Because hear me, you and I are part of the body of Christ, right? The body of Christ is more than 90 minutes on Sunday morning, right? So are you a body for 90 minutes on Sunday morning, and then are you something else the rest of the week? You and I are to be this all the time towards other fellow believers in the body of Christ, and then the world sees that, right? And Jesus said, they will know that you belong to me because of what? You say it. Your love towards one another. And so the world's going like, man, that's an odd bunch of people. Not because they fight. I mean, the world sees enough of that, right? They know we're different because we love differently than the world does for each other. In fact, this love is described right here, right? Giving up your own souls to one another. So I just want to give you just a few little things that pop out to me. Here's one of them. Let's see if I can make this work. Paul had margin in his life. Now you think about a mom. I, I was thinking of my mom. My mom, like a verse that we read just a little bit ago, and we'll read in a minute. My mom preferred my sister and I above her own needs. You probably think of your mom. Preferred above, and my interest above her entrance. She gave, she waited, she did all this. Moms often have what? Margin in their life for their children. For you and I to be able to love one another like we should, you and I must have margin in our life. And you know what that means, right? Margin means that your life is not just, you know, packed so full that whenever you see a need of somebody else, that you can't do it because it's just so full. But you have margin in your life. It's not just margin with your time, but maybe it's margin with your money as well. Because then, hey, I have that to be able to share that when I see that need. But having margin in your life. I want you, if you will, I put a few quotes. I want to read all of those here today. But here's the first one I want you to look at. It says, margin grants freedom and it permits rest. It nourishes both relationships and service. Spiritually, it allows availability for the purposes of God. Right? When you and I have margin, whenever God speaks to your heart, whenever you read the word and you see his commands to do certain things, you and I can do them. Why? Because we have margin to be able to do them. But have you ever noticed that you and I, okay, I'll just talk about me. If I don't 
use discipline, intentionality, I can allow my life to get so full there is absolutely no margin in my life. And what happens usually is because I have a lack of margin and a need comes up, I don't even recognize that. Why? Because my life is so packed trying to do my own stuff, I can just miss something. A need can come and it can go and somebody else uh, can meet it. Someone else get the blessing for it. And yet I can't because I have my life so packed full. I don't have any margin. So God has a hard time of speaking to me. Uh, Maybe it's not that he has a hard time speaking. I just can't hear it because I'm so full of my own stuff. I can't get anywhere. If you've ever read C.S. Lewis called the Screw Tape Letters, a young demon comes to an older demon and goes, Hey, how, how can I work this Christian over? I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to do that. And he says to them, Oh, you're doing all the wrong stuff. Here's one of the ploys. Just keep them busy. Just get them busy doing a bunch of stuff. And they'll get so busy, they will become ineffective for the cause of Christ. And so having margin is huge. In fact, that quote comes from this book. It's called Margin. And I want to recommend this, that you would read that. And here's something. If you say, I don't have enough time to read that, here's my copy. (laughs) There it is right there. You can have it. You don't have to order it on Google, Amazon, wherever. There it is right there. You can take it. Because the deal is, you and I need margin. In fact, another quote says, the barrier to spiritual growth is not the lack of commitment, but the overcommitment to the wrong things. Just having life full of so many things that the things of God, you just can't get to them because there's just too much in your life. Paul had margin. But I want you to look at verse 9. Because it says this, for you remember, you know, he says that a lot to them. It hasn't been that long since Paul was with them. And so he just says, I want you to remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked day and night that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed the gospel of God to you. And so the thing is, Paul not only had margin, but I want you to see this. He had something else. He had, go to this next one real quick. Paul had one mission in life. He had one mission. He had a calling on his life, just like all of you in this room. You and I have a calling on our life. If you're a follower of Christ, you have a calling on your life. He called you out of darkness into light. He called you to be his follower. Every one of us in this room, if you're a believer, doesn't matter if you're young, doesn't matter how old you are, uh, you go, I don't have all these talents, I don't have enough. If he called you, you got what you need. And the thing is, you and I have a mission in life as a follower of Christ. And Paul had one mission in life, and as a soldier of Christ, and that's what you and I are, right? You and I are soldiers of Christ. And a soldier does something. A soldier learns, and this is what Paul did, he learned how to adapt 
and engage in any situation. Now hear me, I am not talking about the virus. I am talking about you and I have one mission in life. And no matter what is going on in life, you and I, like Paul, must learn to adapt to whatever comes our way and then engage. Because if you and I do not watch out, any little thing will come along and it will cause us to, first of all, not adapt, but become rigid. And hear me, I'm not talking about the virus. We just happen to be in this. We've been in something before. Once they get the vaccine, guess what? There's going to be something else. We live in a fallen, broken world. If you've never been out of the United States, people live in worse conditions than this every day of their life. You and I are going through what Paul said at one time, a momentary light affliction. Compared to eternity, what you and I are going through, it is. It's, so you and I must constantly, not just because of a virus, but you and I because we live in a broken world. We can get so filled up with and have no margin in our life. We can get so busy in our life. We can forget our calling and so forth. And we can become rigid and unengaged if we don't watch out. And Paul, he was able to, in any situation, he was able to adapt and engage. I was thinking uh, a few weeks ago when I was first jotting this down, I was thinking of you, Matt, 20 years military. Does adapt and engage sound familiar to you as a military? You heard that how many times a day? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what you and I need to hear. We need to hear, listen, whatever there is, we need to learn to adapt and to continue to engage. I am the first to confess, in the midst of what we're going through now, if I don't watch out, I can become very rigid and just become disengaged until this passes by. And be not effective at all. I have a great story to tell you. A few weeks ago, because of our season we're living in, our vacation Bible school, we decided we couldn't do it here at Heritage. But instead of just canceling, our uh, children's ministry team decided that they would adapt and take vacation Bible school to the neighborhoods. And many of you in this room, you had vacation Bible school either in your backyard, in um, your front yard, um, one was in an apartment complex. And so we adapted and we engaged. Uh, there were so many stories, I'll tell you, tell you one, there was a, a family that their children came and afterwards said, we are in real need and wondered if we could get some help. And so an email went out, and I mean it went out, and in probably the shortest period of time ever, there were responses from you. And everything on the list was filled within literally 
moments. And then the email had to go out and say, stop calling, we got it all. I mean, who does that, you know? It's okay, it's all, it's all taken care of. And then all that, those things were taken and Jesus was able to be shared again, then one-on-one, -on -one, and incredible, wonderful things came through it. And here's what I just have to say is thank you. Thank you. You heard of a need, and you responded quickly, not just saying someone else will do that, but you jumped on it. All those things were met. And a family was incredibly blessed, more than probably will ever know. Verse 10. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you. So not only did Paul have some margin in his life where he could have time and space and opportunity to love them. Not only did he not allow whatever the circumstance was to like keep him from doing it, but he could just quickly adapt. He was content in any situation. He could do any of this because of the strength of God in him. And so he could adapt, he could engage. But here's another thing, which is really important. If you and I are gonna love one another like we should, then you and I must have, like Paul had, a clear conscience. Have you heard that before? Like if, when you're reading through Paul in the New Testament, have you heard him say that before? I have a clear conscience. I have a clear conscience. I want you, if you will look, look in your notes there. There's one quote, Nancy DeMoss. Here she describes what a clear conscience is. Listen to it. Having a clear conscience means there is no obstruction in our fellowship with God or anyone else. It means we are careful to avoid sinning against God or others with our words, actions, or attitudes. When we do sin, we quickly repent, admit our failure of all offended parties, ask for forgiveness, and make whatever restitution is necessary. And so to be able to have a clear conscience towards one another, like, do I know I've sinned against God? I need to take care of that. How do you do that? You repent and you confess it before God. When it comes to one another, we are to what? We're to repent and we're to confess it to one another and we're to make it right. Because when you and I do not have a clear conscience towards one another, you and I will not love one another as purely and as engaged as we should. And so we must make sure we have a clear conscience. In fact, Paul says in Acts 24, 16, he says this. I want you to read this with me, will you? So I also take pains. Can y'all not see that? Are y'all reading silently? Okay. Read this with me, would you? So I also take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. He takes pains. It means it was absolutely important, and you know this to be right. Because when you know you're not right with somebody else, you will not show love towards them as you ought to. 
I will not demonstrate, I will not sacrifice, I will not give, I will not if I do not have a clear conscience towards somebody else. If I know there is an issue, I won't do it. In fact, I want you to look at one other of the quotes. Repentance. To repent. Repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is something that some of us do all day long, all the time. But listen to this. Repentance means turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. And as our knowledge grows at these three points, so our practice of repentance has to be enlarged. In other words, the more you learn of the grace and the holiness of God, the more you realize that you need to repent, that means there's more of your life that you need to turn over, and it's just a constant thing. It's a continual growth thing in you and I's life. And if you and I have anything against God or one another, you and I must take pains to clear that up, to have a clear conscience towards one another. Here's my last. Not only was Paul like a mother to them in nurturing them, he was like a father to them in training and come alongside them. Look at verse 11. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and we encouraged you and we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So just with me for a little bit. If you and I are to love one another like we should, you and I have to have margin. If you're going to love your family, love your spouse, love one another like we should, you're going to have to get some margin in your life. You and I are not only going to have to do that, but we're going to have to really step up to if we've become rigid and unengaged, that we're going to have to learn to adapt and engage. If you and I realize there is something against someone, someone has something against that, you and I are going to have to make sure we have a clear conscience towards one another. But here Paul says this, like a father, he did these things. First of all, he exhorted them. It means to come alongside. It's the same word like the Holy Spirit who comes alongside. You and I are to come alongside each other. It might have to be at social distancing, but you still need to come alongside. Every one of us in this room, if you'll be careful to be sensitive to the Spirit of God, you know there is someone in your life that you need to come alongside of. And hear me. You and I can impress people from a distance. You can only impact someone up close. You and I as believers, we're not called to impress people, for one thing. You and I are called to come alongside each other. You and I are to come alongside each other, and we are to encourage each other. It means to put courage into someone. Has anyone ever done that in your life? Would you just hold your hand up? Has anyone ever come alongside 
and they've put courage in you because they come alongside you. Yeah, there are people who need you to come alongside and put some courage into them. But then like a father, here's the third one. Paul charged them. In other words, he reminded them of their marching orders that they were to do what? They were to live and walk in a manner that's worthy of God. You and I need to come along others to instill courage in them to stay the course. Who do you know? Who do you know that you need to come alongside of, instill courage, and tell them and help them get back on course? You and I still, until we're dead, you and I still have a mission. And you and I need to come alongside each other and encourage and charge each other, stay the course. 